Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Mark, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing so good. Awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, we have a good guest today that we're going to be talking to. Aditya Varanasi never dreamt of being an entrepreneur until he was faced with a choice. Take a risk or sink back into corporate America. Today, he's the founder and chief executive officer at Awarity, where they disrupt the advertising industry by making world-class marketing more affordable and sustainable for up-and-coming companies. He spent 14 years at PepsiCo, you might have heard of them, where he pioneered new ways to unlock the power of digital media across a wide range of brands, including Cheetos, Cracker Jack, and Lay's Stacks. Aditya, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. We're, we're glad to have you. And uh, Mark, just, you know, while we're doing would, re, would you rather's like we do at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Which one? Cheetos, Cracker Jacks, or Lay's Stacks? <laughs> Which one are you going to reach for? Okay. Listen, I, <laughs> I, I like a good Lay's Stack, but I'm more of a Pringles guy. No offense. Okay. Okay. okay got what? <laughs> I know. All right. That um, wasn't one of the options, man. That's not how this game works. That wasn't. Yeah. You got three uh, choices. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Mark, okay, I don't yeah. want to hear anymore. How about you, Sorry. Aditya? What, what's your choice? Yeah. I got to go with Cheetos. Yeah. Puffy or regular? Uh, I'm a Puffs guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Yes. I like the natural Cheetos, you know, the nat- natural Cheetos puffs yeah. with the white cheddar. Yeah. Those are delicious. Those are yeah. good. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. I'm going, I'm going Cheetos. Spicy Cheetos too. Yeah. Delicious. Mm-hmm. That's what my kids would reach for. Spice, especially my son. He would go for the spicy Cheetos for sure. He likes the heat. Yep, all the way. It's like literally one of the only snacks out there. When you eat it, it takes you back to like when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah, it's like that or maybe a Twinkie. Yeah, maybe maybe ice cream, or a, but not many. A, a, a gusher, a fruit by the foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But those yeah. frozen ice pops, you know, you can buy a bag of like a hundred for a dollar. Uh, <laughs> do you remember those round ones that where you had to snap in half? It was like the round. It yeah. was like the round tube filled with popsicle juice, and you'd have to break it in yeah. half to get to it. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> hey, here we are. Um, so, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, your story and um, you know, kind of how you got into marketing. I, I you went to some prestigious schools, um, and then I, I kind of want to just kind of hear that journey a little bit, and then really that that crossroads. I think, I think a lot of our listeners, um, they might be side hustling, you know, night nights and weekends working, working their, their own thing, whether it's, you know, photographer, videographer, or creative graphic designer or something like that. And then they work a day job and there's always this worry or fear of like, well, like if I quit my job, like, am I going to be able to, you know, make it. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about that story too, as far as, you know, how did you make the transition? Was it hard, you know, um, and you know how things are going for you now, but why don't you start at the beginning? Like, you know, where, where you, where you grew up and just kind of some of your story of, of uh, your journey. Yeah. So I was, I was born in India. My family moved to the U S when I was a year and a half, we moved to New York, lived there for several years, about an hour North of the city town called Wappingers Falls. 
then moved to northern Indiana and grew up there, went to college at, at Purdue. But along during that time, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. You know, I think more than anything, I just wanted to figure out a job where I could make some decent money. Uh, that was mm-hmm. my primary focus. I didn't put a lot yeah. of thought against what do I really like? What do I really want to do? Um, what drives me? Where do I have, what are my passions? I didn't think about any of that. And, you know, ironically, even in the early days, we had a computer at home and I set up, I'm going to date, date myself here, but I set up a bulletin board system for my home computer myself. And right. you awesome. guys know what those were? You're nodding your head. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Bullet, yep. Bulletin yep. boards, you know, and, and AOL messenger or Yahoo messenger. Oh, bulletin board was way before that. I mean, that was like the yeah, precursor yeah. to the internet. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, yeah. Set one up and like looking back, I'm like, man, that really was an indication. I had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bend to me. I just uh-huh. didn't even, I didn't even know it. I didn't consider it. You know, we grew up, we had pretty humble beginnings. And so the idea of being an entrepreneur is not even something that was in my, in my mind. It was just go earn a, earn a good paycheck. And so, yeah. you know, went to Purdue and focused on pre-medicine, wanted to be a doctor, like I said, and quickly realized, hey, I want a backup option in case I don't want to be in school for the next eight years and then residency and all that. And I think I also found I wasn't as excited by some of the subject matter. You know, those are the classes I was a little less excited about. So I added chemical engineering. Um, I did it because I heard it was hard and I knew it was, it was, it was a good paying engineering field. Didn't know much mm-hmm. more than that, if I'm being honest. And, um, and then graduated with a degree in chemical engineering, decided to want to go to med school. And I was fortunate. I thought I was going to go into the tech industry and produce computer chips uh, where I'd interned at Lucent, but ended up uh, with a job at Frito-Lay. And in Frito-Lay, they hired me to the R&D group. We got to work on developing new products like Laystack. So I, I helped develop Laystack as an engineer. Then later on, I got to run okay. that brand, which was kind of cool later in my career. Wow. Did your job require you snacking a lot? There was a bit of snacking. <laughs> I mean, did, <laughs> like, and when you're developing something, are, is it like, do you have to, are, are you like developing the actual, like, yeah. the compound? Like, oh, okay, we mash together this potato hash and then dry it out. And then the texture's off, so we got to do X, Y, and Z to make it better. I mean, is that what your day job was? Oh, there was all kinds of cool, cool stuff I got to work on. Early prototypes huh. of products. You know, we'd get the... I became famous with my friends because I get the white bag samples, the unlabeled bag. Oh, right. And I could show yeah. my friends, oh. see what they thought. They could taste it, hear their feedback. Um, it was it was pretty cool. You know, we worked on worked on stuff like adding stuff into Tostitos to change the texture hmm. a little bit. We worked on all kinds of cool stuff. I worked on Tostito scoops, helped, you know, bring a little bit of the scoop to it and uh, okay. several, several other things. And it was, it was cool. Got to try out all the new flavors. You know, there's this whole process there of quality. Like how do you right. ensure you're maintaining quality? That was a big part of being an engineer. And so like you'd get samples from different plants and we'd have to score them and rate them. And um, so people hmm. would be, you'd end up with a lot of, a lot of chips to eat from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you got you get chipped out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it's funny because you know it, it's like you think about that, and it's it's one of those things where you don't think that there's actually somebody who's like doing that. You know, there's right. actually a, a team of people who are are yeah. doing that. Yeah, which those, is really those cool. Scoops don't turn into scoops by themselves. Somebody's <laughs> got to make them look that way. 
So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, the, the only team I ever thought of Mark about this kind of thing and a ditch. Yeah. It's like the Taco Bell team, whoever does their stuff, because they're oh, like, yeah. we have six ingredients. We're going to remix these in a million different ways. And they figured out pretty much every way to mash together different words and different ingredients. Yeah. Cheesy gordita um, so, crunch. So I think about Taco Bell, but I haven't thought about it. In I am ways, a big so. Taco Bell fan. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. They, got, they must have a good team over there. Aditya, Aditya approves. Uh, nice. No, so that was the first time I worked with the marketing team. So, you know, we'd work yeah. on new products, we'd show consumers, I'd get to go to focus groups or we put in a consumer testing. And I was like, this is really cool. And I'd look at how they're looking at cost considerations, different trade-offs, mm. what the competitor's doing, uh, you know, what the con- customer response is, what the sales strategy is, all this stuff. And I was like, this is really fascinating. And I felt mm. like I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to have a seat at that table and be a part of those conversations. So ultimately went back, got my MBA at Northwestern and then rejoined Frito-Lay in the brand marketing group. And you know, we talked about the talked about the brands there, but it was there that I learned about advertising. I learned about the marketing, the marketing industry from some of the best and brightest in the industry. So it's really fortunate to have that opportunity. And uh, but you know, a couple of things came from that, a couple of big takeaways. First is how important advertising is. Like you take a brand like Cheetos. I mean, who doesn't know what a Cheeto is? So why does Cheeto spend so much money on TV advertising? Well, it's because that brand, you have to remind people where it stands out in the world of snacking. There's sweet snacks, there's healthy snacks. There's, I mean, you guys listed several things that, that came to mind. There's a whole universe, but Cheetos is one of those few snacks that actually makes you feel something mm. different when you have it. Mm. Like we all went down memory lane for a minute just talking about Cheetos. That's the power of the brand. And so hmm. what, what we, I would see is we could look at other things in our marketing mix, like pricing, and say we could see how much lift we would get if we lowered the price by a certain amount on sale. We would see when we had TV, we actually got better lift out of those pricing discounts than when we didn't have hmm. TV, which, which makes sense. You know, you're sitting at home, you see a Cheetos commercial, like, oh, yeah, Cheetos. I haven't had those in a while because they do stand out in the world of snacking. And the commercial, all mm-hmm. that creative, that creative execution is about reminding people how it makes you feel like a kid again, makes you feel playful. And so it, it connects with people emotionally, like, oh, yeah, Cheetos. And then when you mm. see it in store, maybe at the end of an aisle or with the, with the sale, you're more likely to respond to it and buy it because you're already thinking about how you're reminded how it stands out from that advertising. And it's a big reminder that, hey, every purchase, every single purchase, even low involvement purchase, like a $3 bag of chips, has a journey. It starts with Mm -hmm. awareness, goes to some level of consideration, and ultimately you get to purchase. And that, to me, was a big takeaway, that awareness really does matter. Even if you can't attribute the sale to the awareness, I saw more than enough data that showed it actually makes a difference. I just want to land on that for a second here, because I think that is one of the probably one of the hardest sells of a marketer uh, in the sense of, you know, a lot of times like, well, what's the ROI going to be on this, you know, and you're trying to sell, well, there, there may not be a direct correlation to, you know, you spending this much money and then making this much money, but how is your brand being perceived or, you know, how is the awareness of your brand, 
you know, and there's like this top of the funnel where we, we kind of got to get you familiar with your audience out there so that then when we do offer them something that they're ready to, to maybe look into a little bit more and then potentially make a purchase at some point. But I think that's really hard to, to, to sell that, that idea of saying like, Hey, it's, it's about the brand awareness, which is really important because you can't always attach an ROI to that, like spend of, of, for awareness. Yep. And that actually, that point right there is one of the factors that ultimately led to starting awarity, which mm. it, it was recognizing how important that is, but that a lot of businesses can't afford to invest in that. It's, it's generally inefficient. If you're a smaller business and you have a smaller footprint, well, DMA level radio or TV doesn't make sense because you're going to be serving a lot of ads to people that don't even, that won't even come visit you or the ticket price, the sticker price is high and just way beyond their budget. And so there's a real outage in the industry all at the same time where you've got these big search and social media companies touting the cost per conversion, which is completely made up. That's like saying, hey, I just ran through the ribbon at the 26 mile of a marathon, so let's just do more of that, discounting the 26 miles before. And, mm, and so right. people are starting to gravitate, people are gravitating to, well, I need good ROI, and ROI is only conversion. And so it was a real problem in, in the industry. And I'll get to where I experienced that in just a second. Because I, I left Frito-Lay. I was hired by a private equity firm. And I said, okay, I've, I've learned all this great stuff. I'm, I'm running this new business that's new to the world for this private equity firm. Let's, uh, let's try that Frito-Lay playbook. And I was looking at how do we drive some awareness. And everything I wanted to do was just way too expensive, way too inefficient. It was hard to track. Uh, the, you know, the private equity firm had raised plenty of money, but I didn't feel like it was responsible to spend a ton of money until we kind of had a better sense on how the business was going to work together, how the full marketing funnel was going to work. So I put a little bit into banner ads and we got some good results, but it wasn't enough. We had to sustain it for longer. I eventually parted ways with that with that firm and um, and and started Awareity. And, and it was really that experience of seeing how small businesses struggle to build awareness because it's inefficient, it's really expensive, it takes a lot of time and energy, so it generally goes neglected. And then these businesses pour all their dollars into social and search, which are really saturated. But let's 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 take a step back. They're great channels. We even tell our clients, you should use social and search. There is an important role for them as part of your marketing mix, but it shouldn't be your only thing in your marketing mix because when you're in search, you're only reaching people that are searching. Like they're actively right. looking for something. That's a, If you look right. at Google search and they have data on what people are searching for, it's a very small number of people every day that are actually looking for specific topics. And so what are you doing right. to drive more search? You're, you're, you have a captive, finite audience. You're going to limit your growth if that's all you're relying on. Even social media with so many businesses pouring dollars in there, less than half of social users are even in the platform daily. And so if you were trying to advertise to me on Facebook, you probably would not reach me. You'd have a hard time reaching me because I see very few Facebook ads because the time I'm in there is very little. And so right. it's, not, it's not the best ad channel for building awareness. It does a lot of stuff great, but it's not the best ad channel for building awareness because it has fragmented usage. There, here come banner ads. Um, I had some success with banner ads at, at Frito-Lay. We're able to track things. We're able to run tests where we expose certain people to an ad, certain people not. And we saw great results from that on different brands. Cracker Jack, Cheetos did it on, on, on a few of those. And I thought, hey, this ecosystem, and as a former engineer, 
I was really nerdy and curious to know how it worked. I wanted to know how this, how this whole ecosystem worked. And I thought there's a real opportunity to reimagine the way banner ads are actually used and let it fill the need for building awareness for small business. So set about to building, you know, that's, that was really the inception of awarity. Thought was, if we can make it affordable, like $299 a month, but still give overwhelming value, you know, at the time media prices were lower, we guaranteed at least 100,000 ad impressions a month. We're still close to that, but there are some cases where we don't hit that based on the targeting. Then it's affordable, yeah. it's efficient, and we saw time and again, it drove people to the client's websites. Not directly. We see 98% of conversions that we track, whether that's ticket sales for our sports clients to app downloads to you know form fills, actually follow an impression, not a click. And so, hmm. and, and so the, the thought was, if we can make it af efficient, affordable, and effective, and turnkey, we include animated creative, because a lot of times, building that creative is, is a big challenge. And we're not an agency, so we don't build the creative strategy like you both would. What we do is we'll take the assets and the strategy that they have and adapt it for banner ads so that it's seamless. So people kind of see the same thing with the banner ad, a very simplified version with the banner ad that they would on the website. Because um, we don't want to reinvent the wheel and create some confusion. But once we did that, there was, there was a lot of interest in the market. And so it, you know, it took some time, um, but that's, that's where we are today. And we're working with hundreds of businesses, big and small. To accomplish this, we had to invest in a lot of automation that uh, mm -hmm. we had to build ourselves from the ground up. Because if we're going to maintain a $299 a month price point, there's no way I can yeah, you can't have a lot of bodies for every 10 yeah. campaigns. That's just never going to be scalable. And so we had to, do, and, and unlike an agency, it's not like we have a retainer or we're charging labor. None of that. I mean, we're trying to make this all in $299 a month. So we had to invent a lot of automation and optimization and different software to make this easy. We built our own reporting system that automatically updates. So we don't need to manually do that. Clients can log in and see it. And it didn't all happen overnight. We built it step by step by step by step, and there's still things we're building uh, just for just for this phase. But then we've got pretty ambitious plans of where we're going to go go from here. But that's kind of the story on how we got to where we are. That's super cool. Yeah, it feels very um, uh, accessible to like a smaller business to be able to be like all in for two ninety nine. It's like I feel like there's a lot of people out there that would be like, oh, okay, that's all of a sudden I'm listening. Like, oh, this is. I feel like most places that you talk to, it's like uh, it's going to be two thousand dollars, and then you got to spend your ad spend exactly. on top of that. You know, so you're like, oh, so I didn't actually get any ads yet, and I'm already spending two thousand dollars a month, which I get. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but I love your approach of systemization and creating new efficiencies and kind of making it more accessible yeah. for people. I think that's really awesome. It looks like you took some of the experiences that you had at a big brand, you know, and kind of distilled those down into something that would work for small business and small brands. I, I, a lot of times I feel like as, as a small business, you look at these massive brands and you're like, dude, I can't learn anything from these guys. They're like on a whole nother level. Like what are some of those things that you did learn, you know, that you implemented into, you know, that, that we can take away from a big brand like Pepsi or something like that. And and apply yeah. those to our small business. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a few. I think the first one is awareness really does matter. Brand awareness is the underpinning to long term sustainable growth. We would see it. Brands that we pulled awareness building on would slowly whittle away. You know, Frito Lay launches a lot of new products, 
new flavors. They do great in year one where they have advertising support. A lot of times that advertising support's pulled in year two, and you would see a good number of those brands would struggle after that. So that awareness mm. really matters. That's a hard thing for small businesses because they've got limited budgets and there aren't a lot of awareness building tools. The, the second one is nobody's ever got it all figured out. A marketing plan is never perfect. Even, even at Frito-Lay, even at PepsiCo, we were always trying to figure things out. We were trying to figure out what was moving the needle. Because at the end of the day, good advertising makes people feel something. And AI is not to the point where you can read how you're making people feel. Mm -hmm. Getting there, but it's not there. It's not there yet. So if I show you an ad for a vacuum cleaner, and you don't need one today, but I show you a feature that maybe in six months your current vacuum cleaner doesn't have, and then you decide, hey, it's time to upgrade. How do you give credit to that ad you saw six months ago? And so that that really that that part of it is just how how it all works together. So staying consistent with that brand awareness really matters. The, the second and, and not everyone's got it figured out. So that was the second point. And then the last is stay consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of businesses they have so many things they do well. And trust me, we struggle on this even for ourselves. There's so many things we're proud of that we do. Your customers expose to four to six thousand ads a day, and one of the best tools to break through that is to connect with them with simplicity. Less is more. If you can show them one thing that matters to them, you're ultimately advertising trying to get people to change a behavior. They're trying to get them to do something they were not doing before, and so you've got to show them something really persuasive and really compelling and really simple. And that's hard to triangulate. Which is part of why we include the creative, because what we do is we take what their brand is and try to simplify it to something that can resonate in an awareness in an awareness channel. But that simplicity really matters. Mm -hmm. So you go to hey, consistent ongoing awareness. Don't believe the big brands have it all figured out. Everybody's learning as we go, and it's just about trying to persistently get better every day. And sometimes getting better it means give it some time and see what happens with kind of a bigger trend. Be patient. Yeah. And that's again, like, right, as the marketer, uh, we're all sales guys here to some extent, right? So that's like the thing that you're always trying to cast that vision and, you know, explain to people it's not always about the destination, you know, it's about all the things that happen in between and for us to stay focused and stay consistent on these things. But it's hard to convince a CEO or a you know, business owner of these things because they just want to see results. They want to see clicks and they want to, you know, see leads coming in and deals closing. And you're trying to, to express like, Hey, like there's a foundation we have to build so that we can, right. you know, reach the goals that we need to reach. And it's just not going to happen overnight. So, and, and you know, this is, I hate to say this cause it's not a pure black and white answer, but I think there's a lot of accuracy to this. The people that get that and embrace that, are the people that generally have better long-term success. Mm. It's like anything in life. Great things take time to build. Building a brand takes takes time and it's an ongoing it's an ongoing effort. You don't just build it and stop. Yeah. You have to keep building it because there's always other brands coming from it. You know, we had uh when when the pandemic hit in March of 2020, we had a handful of clients that were shut down. They didn't have cash flow and shut down their campaigns. We had others. They said no. We may not be we may not be open. We may not be able to operate. Mm. But if I can do it, I'm going to continue this as long as I can because now's my chance to get share from my competitors who just shut every shut down their advertising. Right. And I think just having kind of that mentality of you have to always be in front of customers. You have to be aggressive. You have to be tenacious 
and the different ways you're reaching customers, that's a mindset that leads leads to growth. And I think if you try to engineer every decision down to exactly how many dollars are I making from this, exactly how many dollars I make from that, at the end of the day, you're trying to influence people. Right. So do something, you know, find your ways to measure. And that, that's honestly one of the things we're, we're working on. And um, we're, we're pretty far along, but it's not going to launch imminently. It's going to launch soon is an integration with Google Analytics where we can model how different advertising is actually driving new users to your website because they don't click. They may see a billboard and then find your site later. Yeah. And using some some models to to see, hey, based on the people that saw it, how many of them actually came to your site and trying to give our customers that what what the big companies do. They run those marketing mix models, make that accessible to the small business so they can start to see things beyond just sales and assess their brand health across that whole journey. It's not ready yet, but mm. we do believe it'll help address your question where people could start to start to see the impact of moving the needle on that whole journey. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit .com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday.